in a world that has more than enough information and noise. Is it even possible to truly anchor ourselves and have peace in a scattered world? Hi, this is Pamela and Mary, and we are a mother-daughter team who span two generations but share one message. We will delve into what it looks like to be fully integrated, body, soul, and spirit, and will bring encouragement and hope all along the way. We get it. Life is hard. And let's be real. Hard doesn't even begin to describe it on some days. But we want you to know that you're not alone. And not only that, we are here to come alongside you and cheer you on as you walk out your individual storyline. So join us as we journey together and laugh, cry, and everything in between. Welcome to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey Ma, how's it going? Pretty good, Mary. i getting ready to go on a trip. I'm excited about that. I'm always traveling somewhere. I know our audience thinks, man, Pam, do you ever stay home? I do stay home most of the time, but I'm gearing <laughs> up and I'm going to visit my friend who's having a 70th birthday in Orlando. I'm really excited about that. And I'm also going to get to visit with my friend who lost her son recently. And we're going to uh, connect again. It was six weeks ago and we'd agreed that I'd come back and sit with her when all the noise died down. And then I'm coming to see... Mary. Yay. And Charlie and all my grandkids and the kitties yeah. that I don't love as much as you all do. Yes, we're so excited. So I know so many of you guys might be traveling and kids coming off a Christmas break and all of the things. So we just hope you guys are having a beautiful, peaceful Christmas, even in the midst of the crazy. I think I've showed this on the podcast in different times, but something that me and my daughter have really been talking about lately is on every single day, it doesn't matter if it's Christmas day is what I've told her <laughs> is you can always expect that there'll probably be hard moments, but there'll also yes. be sweet moments. It's like, we have to take both. And when any time a hard moment comes, you can always be assured that the sun will rise again. There'll always be something sweet. So in the midst of this Christmas week, I can almost promise you there's going to be some hard moments, whether it's with your kids or family dynamics, but there'll also be some sweet moments. So just yes. search for the beauty yes. and the sweet, tender moments this week. Yes, I say a big amen to that, Mary. Yeah, we do bless all of you and we receive that back to ourselves as well to focus on that and this very busy week coming up. Well, today you've been with us the last couple of weeks as we're talking about beholding God with us. Emmanuel is what that means, is God with us. And today we're picking up on the end of Jesus's life when he was 33. We're talking about Jesus, God, in the form of our Savior, our Messiah. So obviously that's an intense subject, especially be talking about right before Christmas. But these two go hand in hand. So that's where we're jumping in today. Mary, one of the first things that comes to my mind about Jesus being the Savior is that all this anticipation has built at this point by the time yeah. Jesus is 33. He's gotten into all kinds of people's opinions, religious leaders pushing back, jealous, afraid of his power. He's got quite a following. And crowds, they're fickle, just like you and I. You listening, me, Mary, we can be fickle on any given day about a something. The people aren't really who Jesus is putting his trust in. He's walking with the Father in an intimate way. And here we are, and we come to this this week of his, in the Bible, it's an ongoing story for like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then his resurrection on Sunday. But the thing that strikes me the most is how much people were confused about why he had come. Even, and I'm talking about the people who were beginning to believe in him, follow him. They all had this narrative of a different plan 
than what Jesus and the Father had in mind. And this is highlights something really amazing, is that oftentimes God has is going for something more in the spiritual realm to perfect in us or to accomplish in his plans than he is in the natural. Now, he completely recognizes the natural in so much of a way that we know he sent Jesus as a baby to live on the earth with dust and sweat and tears. That, to me, is remarkable. But one of the things that strikes me is how often they were getting ahead of the waiting process and were jumping ahead to his second coming. There are so many verses from Genesis to Revelation about prophecies that talk about his coming. Unfortunately, they're all mixed up as if you were to rattle them in a bunch of dice and throw them out. They're going to look all mixed together and you can't really tell the dice all look the same. It was difficult for them to really understand that this first piece was going to happen before the second piece. It seems obvious in retrospect when you and I read it today. It seems like, wow, that's a second coming prophecy. That's not the first coming. Right. It seems very obvious, but it wasn't to them. So we have to give them a break there to say that God was probably keeping them somewhat blinded because he wasn't ready to reveal. Those who had ears to hear at that moment did hear by God's prerogative. There was going to be a remnant to begin from the very beginning to begin this whole new idea, radically different way to approach God than going through the Holy of Holies and the blood sacrificed by all the animals. God was doing a dramatic. So if we talked about last week about the Christmas story being dramatic, now we're talking about an entire religious system, which was basically also their legal rules because it also they were a theocracy Israel we've never had anything like that Uh, people may think we do but we've never had that this was going to be that the law was going to be attached to the religious sacrifices and systems that God had requested we're talking about now like basically a revolution at this point with Jesus entering in and what was about to happen. So the, so that's my only first point is his main point is to say we have to really understand what God was doing in the crucifixion and the salvation of the world. Some of the things that come to my mind, Mary, one of the most obvious things is they think they thought he was going to be a military king. He was coming as a spiritual king who was going to establish his throne one day on earth and in heaven. But they were looking for a military king. Some, just just the smallest of things, some things come to me. We think he was like all handsome and beautiful and lovely to look on. The Bible says he was homely and he was not lovely to look on. It just goes on and on. They were opposites of what people were expecting. And how about you? If you are expecting something, let alone you've been hearing about the Messiah forever, you'd be confused. You'd be disappointed. We have to sort of get in their shoes and see some of those pieces. So that's why there was some confusion. Yeah, I know. When I think about the Christmas story and how miraculous it was, and we talked about that some last week of just the miracle behind it. Yes. Also, how it looked so much different than everybody thought it would. And sometimes the miracles that God does and is doing are going to look different than what we think. And if we're only looking and our eyes are only fixed on, okay, this is what that package has to look like. We are literally missing the Messiah in the manger. 
we're literally passing over the turning point in humanity. And I think of Jesus and I think of the cross and the resurrection as the complete plot twist, right? And then this happens. And I I got this picture of this giant library, I don't know, in New York City or Washington, D.C., this historic giant library. And you walk in and there's the foyer and it's big and beautiful. And in the middle of it is this book and you're reading it. And I'm imagining people in the Old Testament all the way up until Jesus. And they have this book and they're reading it and they're like, okay, this is everything. This is their everything. But they haven't even walked into the library yet. They're just in the foyer. Oh, yes. That's so good. But again, this is their only point of reference. And this is all God has chosen to give them at this point. So it's everything. And it is everything. And the Lord knows that. But if they're just only willing to see, no, this is what's everything. And the Lord's like, yeah, this is. But now look. There's an entire library. You haven't even walked over the threshold of what I have for you Mm. because you're so fixed Mm. on what's here in this foyer. And I think um, as we think on Christmas and as we think on, right, the miracle of Christmas, but then what is it unto? It's unto a savior. It's unto being saved. It's unto being rescued. And are we willing to lay down what that's going to look like? Am I willing to lay that down and say, God, how you're going to do it is going to be better. How you're going to rescue me is going to be better. I think a lot about the story of Moses and how that mom, I mean, that's such a miraculous story, how she puts him in the water and God saves Moses. And it's amazing. And then she even got to breastfeed him and have him for a few years or whatever. But I still feel like if that was me, I'd be like, I mean, that's awesome. But I wish I got to raise him where I just didn't even have to put him in the river, right? I kind of thought the rescue story would look a little bit different. And yet we see how that played out. It was exactly what the Lord had. And it was on just something huge and amazing. And so I think so much of it comes to, are we willing to trust the Lord's storyline and to trust that he has something in the midst of these miraculous moments, in the midst of these rescue moments that sometimes are going to look so much different than what we think. Mm. Yeah. And when you share that, what jumps out at me is some of the most dangerous points in any given exchange with God can start with expectations that maybe are not even legitimate to have. And I think that makes me think of this idea of laying our foundations We don't have to just imagine what our expectations are of God or make them up on our own because expectations, if they're not based in what is true, don't we all agree, whether it's in marriage, in our relationships, at work, when you have an established paradigm of what you're expecting, we know that that can be a great setup for offense and bitterness. The great thing about God is our expectations can be washed by the word. God is more than happy to tell us what to expect in terms of his nature, in terms that his faithfulness is always there, in terms that he always has what is good in mind. If we saturate ourselves in the foundations that are well laid by God in terms of what to expect from his nature, 
then we have faith that that is true and we begin to trust that our expectations are changed so that they're in agreement with what he's already said is yes and amen. But with all that said, we still will find ourselves expecting a certain outcome and a certain situation and either miss something glorious that really did happen and it takes us a long time until we look back to really say, God, that was the very best thing. But God is inviting us into closing these gaps so that we can come to expect things that are not driven by actual outcomes, but are driven by the fact that he is with us. And we know that he is working something deep in us that will prepare us for even a more difficult time in the future. Specifically talking now today, God is preparing all of us. We all feel the weight of this new world and the darkness and the heaviness, but he's preparing us for things. It's like we're, we're in that story. We don't have that right. chapter yet. We, we just have some bullet points. It's funny how in, we were talking about in the New Testament, it's funny how they kind of skipped over the suffering servant right. and they skipped over so many things, so many obvious things because they were looking primarily and holding on to and wanting to take those references that were to the coming king who would yes. shatter the earth, who would save and bring justice. And see, again, we can mix our own earthiness and our own lack of spiritual insight by going to the thing that we want. We want the healing. We want the right. raising from the dead moments. We want not to be impoverished or we want to be well. Those are, again, earthly things. But God is saying these represent the greater It's always this greater that he's going for, and that's intimacy with him, that we would fully lay our head on his chest and trust him. But yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, and even as we think about the Christmas story and think about Jesus coming as this baby into the world, what that represents, I feel like, is this hope for something greater, this hope for a savior. And I was reading this article that was published all about the Holocaust, and the title of it was, And the Ones That Survived Had Hope. That was the title of this Mm. whole article about Mm. people in the Holocaust. And maybe you've heard these different statistics of the ones that survived the concentration camps. The majority of them were ones that, for whatever reason, even some that were like disassociative, they literally were just like, I'm going to make it. It's going to be fine. Not even living in reality. But truly, they were ones that had hope, either because of faith or even if it was unrealistic hope, but they believed they were going to make it. They believed that something was going to shift, that the war was going to end. They had hope. And so yes, I think even before we talked about this in uh, the first week of December, but what that looked like before Jesus is coming uh, the first time as a baby, what that looked like in that 400 years and that quiet 400 years after Malachi, the book of Malachi and before Matthew, what that would have looked like in that waiting period, waiting for something, you're waiting for something to happen. And then after Jesus and what everybody on the earth at that time was feeling was we need a savior. We need the Messiah to come and to rescue us. And the Lord's like, yeah, I am going to come and rescue you. That was always my plan. It was always unto this. But then I think about that title and the ones that survived had hope. I think about Jesus 
when he was crucified and the disciples and how that probably brought so much confusion and so much pain and so much angst and like, what is happening? But then the ones who said, I don't understand. This doesn't seem to make any sense, but I'm going to go into that upper room. I'm going to trust that this was onto something different than what I'm thinking. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust there's something more and there's something greater. And those are the ones that survived. Those are the ones that thrived. That was the pillar and the foundation when we think of Peter as the foundation of the church. He survived because he trusted and believed who God was and what God was saying, even when it didn't make a lick of sense and it didn't seem to go with what he thought was going to be the plan. But he trusted the Lord's plan, even though he had no grid for what was happening. Yeah. So one of the things that's so interesting to me that you brought up, Peter, is that when we were talking about the juxtaposition of something that we we jump into with the second coming of Christ versus the first is this idea. Peter's a great example of like the idea that I'm going to die for right. you, that we're going to crush our enemies. That was would have that was the paradigm that God was leading up to to teach all of his people so many things, but instead Jesus comes with this message, we're going to love our enemies. These radical different things, the shift was going to be so gigantic from, that's why we've taught out how some people are like, I can't relate to God in the Old Testament, but man, I really love Jesus in the New Testament. And yet they are one and the same person. Peter, particularly when he went out to just and he slice that ear of that guard, you know, Jesus is basically calling that a rebellious and a satanic act. Get behind right. me, Satan. Peter had all this zeal. But it, it was, but it wasn't yet. Yes. This idea that they, they were beginning to see, and Peter had no idea, like you said, that God was going to say that you're going to be sort of the foundation of this whole new thing called the church, the body of Christ, which it just shows God's incredible empathy and knows that we're so weak, and yet takes this man who he calls in a moment, get behind me, Satan, and now says you're going to be the rock right. of the church with Jesus himself being the corner. I mean, this this is the motley crew that we are, that God says lovely, good, that you're going to be an image bearer of me for all of eternity. You're going to rule and reign with me evermore. What he can do with some dirt and spit is unbelievable. And so I think that juxtaposition of Jesus and for the joy set before him endured the cross but suffered the shame I mean that's a lot to sit on just that in and of itself but all that he accomplished and all that happened in that whole realm of his death and his burial and his resurrection each one is really full of hope and full of application to our everyday lives if we will just not be so familiar with the story that we can't enter back in and learn something brand new. I guess that's what we're inviting people to do is to take these familiar everyday stories and pictures of the manger and as you said Mary the shepherds and decorating our houses and that we would look past these familiar things as we can often do just with our own salvation from a holy God. These are places that God is saying for sure, these are the pinnacles of my story. And that's a great place if you want to jump into my storyline 
with these big moments. Christmas is the time to begin really thinking on these things because it's when Jesus actually came and in that same life, just 30 years later, he gives his life. We're hoping you're connecting some of these dots. We're hoping that this is inspiring you in some way. I think this part about connecting Christmas and Easter, I guess, is is almost what it is, right? We celebrate these two things separately. And in some ways, as I was just really reading through this again, even in just preparation of this, I thought how you can't really look at one without the other. They're completely part of the story. It's like you're just reading one part of the story and not reading the other. It's like, no, this is everything. This was a part of the story. And I got this picture of this girl who was hiding away and there was this bomb about to go off. And so she was hiding under this table and she's terrified. And she sees this soldier come up to her and she's all alone under this table. And the soldier comes up to her under this table and he's like, I'm here now, you're okay. I'm here with you, you're not alone. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for being with me. This is so wonderful. I was all alone and now you're here. And just the peace and the joy that she felt that she was not alone now. But, not but, and she was feeling, okay, I'm so glad you're here with me. But if that's how the story ended, they both blow up together, right? So now that soldier, She has this desire for him, not just to be with her, but to save her, to rescue her, to protect her from that bomb Mm -hmm. about to go off. And so the story of Jesus coming to us, it's amazing. It's incredible. But it's really not finished unless we continue on with, and then what is it all unto? Yes, he came to be with us. Yes, he came so that he could also experience what we're experiencing. And we know that he's with us and we are not alone. And that's huge. That's everything. Yes. And even if that is where it ended, it'd still be a beautiful story. But it isn't. And yes. it's like, and then that yes. soldier stopped the bomb from coming towards her. He threw himself over the bomb and he himself was blown up and she was protected. And so it's not just Jesus coming with us, not to minimize that, but it's like you you have to marry the two. You have to bring them together. They were always meant to be integrated. Jesus coming unto saving us, unto our rescue and our redemption. Yes, yes. Love is a word that has become without action so often, but in God's economy, love and the fullness of his love, it looks like something. In God, love always looks like something. It's, It's far far deeper and greater and more powerful than words and emotions. God is always coming, moving on the move, and he's always coming after us. He's always going after the one out of the 99. He's always has a plan that will rescue us on every level of our lives, both in the big grand story, but in the day-to-day, rescuing us, saving us every day and those around us. So, Yes, I I think this idea that God is far away and silent is another false view of who he is. I'm just so moved by how much God is always active in my life. I think that's another thing to bring in to the story today is that the crucifixion and the burial and being raised from a tomb after three days, these are such stark pictures of what God can and wants to do in our own lives. I want to close, Mary, if I can, with a quote. It's from um, a man named John Stott. He was born in like 1920, early 1920. Just a really famous theologian back when there were some really cool ones, you know, in those early 1900s. And um, I think he died in 
2011. And his last book he wrote was in 2010, so the year before he died. But this book is called The Cross of Christ. And this is a, a good a good kind of summary of what we're talking about today. So this is the quote. Who delivered up Jesus to die? Not Judas for money. Not Pilate for fear. Not the Jews for envy. But the Father for love. Mm-hmm. On the human level, Jesus gave him to the priests. Who gave him to Pilate. Who gave him to the soldiers who crucified him. But on the divine level, the Father gave him up and he himself gave himself up to die for us. As we face the cross, then we can say to ourselves, also, I did it. My sin sent him there and he did it. His love took him there. Yeah, I I love closing on this idea that this was God's idea. This was Jesus's idea. This was his plan. So the father and the son entered into this willingly. No one took the life from Jesus. As he says himself, no man can take my life, but I willingly lay it down. The father willingly put this plan in action. So at the end of it all, I would say that as we talk about this part of the Messiah, the Redeemer, This was the best, as you said, Mary, and the most beautiful, motivated by love, action that God and the Trinity could take together. And so this is everything for us, both the baby and the Savior. This is what God is calling us into, that we would know that he is with us even today as he's also sent his spirit after he even left the earth saying, I will send you a helper even in my absence that will comfort you and teach you and lead you in all things. God has literally left us a tangible thing that we may not be able to see, but the more we dial down and sit with him, his spirit will teach us and lead us into things like emotional regulation and peace and hope and even joy for what's yet to come. And if you're thinking, okay, it's already almost Christmas and I have not even thought about this for a second. It's been crazy and busy and you don't understand my life and it's insane. And I have not thought about this at all. Or maybe this is March when you're even listening to this. It doesn't matter what day it is. And it doesn't matter if you haven't been thinking on this at all until this moment. The Lord says, jump in now, jump in now, right now. Right now, you can pivot. Right now, you can fix your eyes on me and still receive it all. I imagine the man hanging next to Jesus on the cross and Jesus, he's like, right now, you can be with me. You get all of eternity, forever and ever. You get it all. Just pivot and turn your eyes towards me. So if you've been super busy all of December and haven't even thought about these things yet, we just invite you in to today, right now, wherever you are, to shift your heart, to turn your gaze back on the Father, the Trinity, the savior. And even if you don't know him, even if you're listening and you're like, I can't relate to that. I don't know him like that. I don't even know if I really believe that, to be honest. Right now, God is saying, that's okay. I know you. I see you. And I love you. And I will keep running after you. And I will keep chasing you. And so just know that today, wherever you're at, God is with you. 
God is for you. He is relentlessly for you. And he won't stop. Maybe right now is just one seed. Maybe you'll put this down and you won't even think about God for another 10 years. But he's thinking about you. And he will bring it all back around. So trust that the Lord is for you. His storyline is good and he is faithful. And we just pray that you are encouraged and you are blessed this week before Christmas. And that you know that this is all unto something. It is all unto him coming back and us being with him for all of eternity. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the More Than Enough podcast. We are still busy behind the scenes setting up our website, but for now, if you would like to stay up to date or follow along, you can follow us on Instagram at Girls. That's A-M-E-S-G-I-R-L-S. We know that because we're a newer podcast, one of the best ways for people to find us is through reviews. So if you would take just a few minutes and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we look forward to chatting it up again with you next week. Have a lovely week.